Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. This is Steve Robbins. Welcome to the Get It Done Guys Quick and Dirty Tips to Work Less and Do More. Today we have an interview with best-selling author Marshall Goldsmith on the subject of triggers. This is Stephen Robbins with the Get It Done Guy podcast, and I am here today with Marshall Goldsmith. He is a number one best-selling New York Times and pretty much everything author, and he has come out with a new book called Triggers, Creating Behavior That Lasts and Becoming the Person You Want to Be. Marshall, welcome. Oh, great to talk to you. I'm really curious. Why triggers? What does that mean? Well, in my work as an executive coach, as I began my career, I thought the key variable for successful behavioral change was the coach. Then I realized later that although I'm the same coach, uh, the results were quite different. And it wasn't just the coach. It was the person more than the coach. And then as I got further into it, I realized the environment also plays a huge role. So if you take the same person and put them back with no changes in the environment or coaching on how to deal with the environment, they tend to repeat the same problems. So triggers is one that got me thinking about the triggers in the environment. What is a trigger? A trigger is to any stimulus that influences our behavior and how the environment can change us. The extreme negative example would be a drug addict that goes to rehab, gets better, is sincerely motivated to change, wants to change, is not a hypocrite or a phony, but then goes back in the same neighborhood, the same environment, and tends to revert back to the same behavior because the power of the environment can be so strong. Now, when you say the environment, that seems like a pretty broad term. What are the things in the environment that are triggering people? Oh, a trigger is any stimulus that impacts our behavior. It could be a smell, a sound, a word. It could be people. It could be internal or external. Mostly I talk about external, but it could also be internal thoughts. So a trigger is any stimulus out there that influences our behavior. For example, uh, you might think I'm a really nice person. I don't yell and scream and swear at people. But then all of a sudden you're driving the car. Somebody cuts in front of you. You get in a traffic jam. People are honking their horns. The next thing you know, you can turn into a maniac. Well, why? It's the environment that is created that ends up pushing you in a direction that you don't want to go. And I'm going to take us a little bit further because I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this who's ever driven a car has had that experience. There I am in a car. Someone cuts me off. My first instinct is to yell and scream at them and suddenly become an ogre. How do I deal with that as a trigger in terms of anticipating it? So maybe being able to avoid mm-hmm. the trigger or do, is there a way that I can deactivate the trigger after it's triggered? What do I do about that? Well, one of the things that I talk about in the book is the typical model with a trigger is trigger leads to impulse, leads to behavior. And and through a process of becoming aware of the typical triggers that influence us, we can get to trigger leads to impulse, leads to awareness, leads to choice, and then behavior. Because ultimately, we have a choice if we become aware. 
If we don't become aware, it's just trigger impulse behavior. So it's learning to track our behavior every day. For example, why did I lose it today? Why did I scream today? Why did I say something inappropriate? Why did I make bad comments about people today? What was it in the environment that tended to trigger that? Then once we start becoming aware of how the environment is influencing us, then we can do a few things. One, we can avoid situations if we can that lead us in the wrong direction. If you want to give up drinking, don't hang around in bars. We can avoid situations that lead us in the wrong directions. Or if we have to be in the situations, then we can anticipate what problems might occur and then learn how to adjust so that, again, we become aware of what we're doing as opposed to just being totally driven by our environment. In a lot of our lives, we're just controlled by the environment. We're like zombies who go through life and, you know, we're, we're sort of pushed and pulled in various directions by the stimulus around us. Now, how do I become aware of that? Is this something that on a moment-by-moment basis, especially I carry a notepad with me, is this something where I do post-mortems at the end of the day? And if it, which, since you're using a zombie metaphor, post-mortems might be appropriate. <laughs> One of the things I highly recommend is called the daily question process. And in the daily question process, uh, what I tell people is, I'm now going to teach all your listeners something that takes two minutes a day. It costs absolutely nothing. will help them get better at almost anything. And then people are skeptical. They think, yeah, right, two minutes a day costs nothing. Help me get better at almost anything. I doubt it. I then add, half of you will quit within two weeks. And you will not quit because it does not work. You will quit because it does work. This is the daily question process. And the way that works is every day, get out an Excel spreadsheet. On one column, write a list of the important questions in your life. And then every day, and these could be friends, family, health, work. Every day, every question has to be answered with a yes, no, or a number. Seven boxes across, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. At the end of the week, the Excel spreadsheet will give you a report card outlining your behavior. If you work for a big company, that report card at the end of the week might not be quite as pretty as that corporate value statement that's up on the wall. Because when you do this every day, you learn life is real easy to talk. It's just hard to live. And these questions would be things like, did I get upset at people today? Did I yell and scream when someone cut me off in traffic? Things like that? Well, let me give you some of mine. By the way, if your listeners like all my questions, send me an email, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. I'll send you all of them in an article about the process. But the key is write your own. I'll just share some of mine as by way of illustration. One of mine, for example, is how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it was not worth it? Well, it's kind of hard for that old college professor not to be right all the time. How many angry or destructive comments did you make about people yesterday? How many minutes did you walk? How many push-ups did you do? How many sit-ups did you do? Did you say or do something nice to your wife, your son, your daughter, your son-in-law, grandkids? Just a bunch of questions about life. How many minutes did you write? Why? Because this way it keeps it in your head. And it really focuses us every day to really hone in on what's really important and how's my behavior lining up with what I say or my values? Am I becoming the person I want to be or am I becoming the person that's just being created by the world around me? And the list of questions is a list of questions that we generate by asking ourselves, who do I want to be? And then what are the things in my life, what are the behaviors in my life, what are the things in my life that I do which would demonstrate that, and then that's what we track on a daily basis? Exactly right. Now, once we're tracking that, we now have information. So I'm tracking, and I think, how many times did I yell at someone who cut me off in traffic, and I notice that number has gone down. At the beginning of the week, it was a 10, and now it's gone down to a 2 or a 1. What about something where I find the number staying the same? So how many times did I 
smoke a cigarette yesterday. Right. And you know what? Although I'm asking the question every day, what I'm discovering is that the answer is five every day. That's the key. Do you want to change? Yes, I want to change. Then I would and keep tracking it every day because by tracking it every day, you at least keep it in your mind and you're not into denial. If you don't track it, then what happens when we don't track things is we just get into denial. Now, why don't people do what I teach? I'm probably the only teacher your listeners have ever heard that's collected input from tens of thousands of people who have been to my courses. And I measure, do they do what I teach and do they get better? And what I learn is, shockingly, the people that do the stuff get better. And not surprisingly, people who do absolutely nothing, well, they stay the same. So why don't people do what I teach? Years ago, my biggest customer was Johnson & Johnson. I had the privilege of working with their top 2,000 leaders all the way from the CEO down to number 2,000. At the end of my class, I were asked, are you going to do what Marshall just taught you? 98% of the leaders said yes. A year later, 70% had done something, and 30% absolutely zero. Not even one minute. So I talked to people who did nothing and said, why'd you do nothing? Their answer had nothing to do with ethics, values, or integrity. I mean, they're good people. They won an award that year, most ethical company in the world. It had nothing to do with intelligence. They're smart people. The reason people did nothing had to do with a dream. It sounded like this. You know, I'm incredibly busy right now, given pressures of work and home, a new technology that follows me everywhere, emails and voicemails and global competition. I feel about as busy as I ever have. Sometimes I feel overcommitted. Every now and again, I feel my life's a little out of control. But you know, I'm working on some very unique and special challenges right now. I think the worst of this is going to be over four or five months. And after that, I'm going to take two or three weeks, get organized, spend some time with the family, and begin my new healthy life program, and it will not be crazy anymore. Now, how many of us have ever had a dream that vaguely resembles that dream? Pretty much Even if you say that, I'm thinking, oh, I know that story. I've probably told that story a dozen times myself in the last 10 years. Of course. Well, what's nice about tracking it every day is you start realizing there's not going to be any two or three weeks. Sanity doesn't prevail. Tomorrow's going to be just as crazy as today. And if you want to do something, you need to focus day to day to day on doing that. And again, what this does, and here's why people quit, it's hard to face the reality of our existence every day. It's so much easier to blame others. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25. Hey, it's Rachel. If you're like me, then you love hearing from inspiring leaders, especially when it comes to the bold decisions they've made on their journey to success. That's why I recommend checking out the new season of Deep Purpose from Harvard Business School. Renowned business mind and HBS professor Ranjay Gulati sits down with executives from companies like Levi Strauss, Unilever, and Alaska Airlines to discuss the courageous business decisions they made and the impact they had. Don't miss out. Listen to season two of Deep Purpose wherever you get your podcasts. And tell them I sent you.
Okay, so blaming others also sounds like something here having to do with triggers and environment. Exactly. There I am, I'm in my car, someone cuts me off. It's not that I am being triggered, it's that they're a jerk. I've done the tracking for a week. I realized that, let's use the, tra- the traffic example, that I'm still yeah. doing this somewhat. You said avoiding situations and anticipating them are the two ways that I can deal with that once I become aware. First, you say, do I need to be in this traffic situation? If you do anyway, fine. Then before you even start, realize there's a high probability this could happen. Then what you, do, you learn to do is you become aware of it. Then when it happens, you breathe. And you realize you still have the same impulse, but you start thinking, wait a minute, I have a choice. Is this how I want to live my life? If it is, go ahead, yell and scream and act like an idiot. If it's not, you realize you don't have to do that. Well, just by becoming aware of the world around us and how it influences us, we can dramatically change our behavior. Because we realize, I don't have to be a puppet. You know, if someone else wants to be an ass, that's perfectly their choice. I don't have to become an ass myself just because they are. You said a second ago, you just used the word become a puppet. Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing is when you talk about adding in that reflection piece between the trigger and the response that I have, the piece where I find some awareness and decide, make a decision about what to do, that is implying that the control is is within me to determine exactly. my back to the situation versus it being, oh, the jerk who cut me off. Exactly. In your book, one of the things that was striking is you didn't talk about what the particular instrument was, but you related a story that where you were talking with your daughter and you were discussing how corporations can measure the engagement and the morale of employees. Right. And your daughter made an interesting observation which changed the way that you thought about the way that engagement happened and, in fact, forms three chapters of the book. Can you right. tell us about that? Well, a couple of things. First, almost everything in employee engagement is focused on what can the company do to engage me, and that almost zero is focused on what you can do to engage yourself. I just went to a presentation, and three of the top HR people in the world were asked to write down and talk about everything they knew about employee engagement. 100% of the dialogue was what can the company do to engage you. 0% was what you can do to engage yourself. And by the way, this is not an exaggeration. It was 100 to zero. Remember the John Kennedy speech, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country? This was all the exact opposite of the John Kennedy speech. Now, everything they said was good. I didn't disagree with any of it. Companies should try to be better places. But to sit there and say the employees have no responsibility for their own life is to me demeaning to the employees. I realized nobody's focusing on what the employees can do to engage themselves. Then my daughter Kelly, I'm here with her in Chicago right now. She's a professor at the Kellogg School of Northwestern. Just got ranked one of the top nine business school professors in the world under 40, so I'm a proud father. So I'm with Kelly, and Kelly says, you know, almost everything in employee engagement has revolved around passive questions. A passive question is, do you have clear goals? Do you have meaningful work? Or my all-time favorite, do you have a best friend at work? As if somehow companies are supposed to be providing friends. Well, Kelly made a fascinating point. If you ask a passive question, and a person has a negative response, they'll almost always blame the environment. Well, do you have clear goals? No. Well, why not? They, they're confused. Do you have meaningful work? No, they make me do trivia. Uh, do you have a best friend at work? No, they're jerks. If you start the questions differently to make them active questions, life changes. Begin every question with, did I do my best too? So the six that we've come up with, and by the way, our research on this has been amazing. The six we've come up with are, did I do my best to, number one, set clear goals? 
rather than saying, did the company set goals for me? Did I do my best to set clear goals for myself? Number two, make progress toward goal achievement. Rather than saying, did they help me achieve my goals? Did I do my best to achieve my own goals? Uh, Number three, find meaning. Rather than saying, did they give me meaningful work? Did I do my best to find meaning? Number four, be happy. Rather than, did somebody make me happy? Did I do my best to make myself happy? Then um, number five, build positive relationships. Rather than saying, do I have a friend at work? Did I try to be the friend? And then finally, number six, be fully engaged. Rather than saying, did the company engage me? Did I engage myself? Well, we've done research so far with 79 different studies, 2,537 participants, just answering these questions every day for 10 days. 10 days later, 37% of the people said, I feel better about everything, better about goal setting, progress, happiness. 65% said I got better at four out of six. About 88.5% say that I got better at one. Maybe 10.5% said I say the same. About 0.4% said I got worse. Why? Every day these questions get us to focus not on what we cannot change. Every day they get us to focus on what we can change. That's ourselves. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I work for a company, and, and this company hasn't given me a raise in 10 years. I've gotten consistently high-performance reviews. They say they don't have the money to give raises. The CEO just bought himself a new Learjet after giving him or herself a $10 million a year raise. Why should I actively try to engage myself. I mean, I'm just here for the paycheck. I want to get out as soon as possible. Why don't you just leave? Why don't you leave? Well, I have a wife and kids. And Why don't you get another job? Why don't you get another job? The company is underpaying you. You should be able to get another job with a pay raise. So leave and get that other job. I'm too old to go get another job. Oh, oh, so the company's not overpaying you. Basically, Uh the company's paying you more than you deserve. It's what you just told me. Because you can't get another job. Isn't that what you just told me? Yeah, but see, I don't want to admit that. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, but what? Yeah, but what? If the company, wait a minute, the company either is or is not overpaying you, uh, underpaying you. If the company is underpaying you, that means you can get another job somewhere else. You just told me you couldn't. Right. So the company is not underpaying you. The company is overpaying you. That's why you're staying. And what I'm not doing is I'm not owning the choice that I'm staying, it sounds like. Of course not. Let me give you another reason to change. It has nothing to do with the company. There are two flight attendants. One's motivated, upbeat. I'm on a three-hour American Airlines flight. I have 12.5 million frequent flyer miles. There's two flight attendants. One's positive, motivated, upbeat, and enthusiastic. One's negative, bitter, angry, and cynical. Same pay. Have you been on that flight? We've all been on that flight. What's the difference? It's not the outside. It's on the inside. Now, why is this so important to the flight attendant? That cynical, bitter, negative flight attendant for three hours, who's the real loser? It's not American Airlines. American Airlines is going bankrupt anyway. It's not the customer. I'm the customer. After five minutes, I could care less. Who's the real loser? It's the flight attendant. Now, I'll give you a case study I do with all my clients. I just love this. I say, imagine you're going to be in a meeting, a boring meeting, stupid PowerPoint slides. You don't want to go to that meeting, but you have to go. No choice. At the end of the meeting, imagine you're going to be tested on four questions. Did I do my best to be happy, find meaning, build positive relationships, and be fully engaged. If you knew you were going to be tested on those four questions, what would you do different? People say all kinds of, I'd listen, I'd be attentive, I'd have a positive attitude. I have asked over 100,000 people that question. No one has ever said I'd do nothing different. The real loser in that meeting, if you're disaffected and bored and disengaged, is not the company or the customer. It's you. It's your life. Now, if you want to be miserable all day, knock yourself out. If you want to live a life without meaning, it's your choice. On the other hand, the two flight attendants have a choice. One creates meaning, creates happiness, and one is a victim. 
If people want to be martyrs and victims and blame the rest of the world for their problems, fine, go ahead. I'm not going to argue with anyone. It's your life. On the other hand, I find most people would rather be happy than miserable. If you're in a situation, you may as well be happy while you're looking for another job versus being miserable while you're looking for another job. Exactly. Exactly. Who are you hurting by being miserable? You're making yourself miserable. To recap, then, you're recommending that we take an active role in what we're doing, and instead of asking how the environment can trigger us, we ask how can we step up and take responsibility for our reaction to what's happening in the environment. We can become aware by asking daily questions and creating a set of daily question process that we go through. Right. And then once we're aware of where the issues are, simply becoming aware may cause us to change. But if not, we can actively take steps to avoid the situation or to anticipate the situation in advance so that when we're there, we behave differently than we otherwise would. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. Let me finish with a challenge. My Please. challenge to all the listeners, let me describe the hardest question you can ask yourself every day. Are you ready? It has four qualities. I'm Quality number one, you write the question. See, when you okay. write the question, you can't blame the idiot that wrote the question. You write your own question. Number two, you know it's important. Nobody has to explain to you it's important. You believe it's important. Number three, you know the answer. Well, gee, I wrote the question. I know the answer. I know it's important. And number four, all you have to do to make a high score is try. And you might say, gee, that should be the easiest question every day. No, it's not. It's the hardest question every day. You know why it's so hard? There's no one to blame. Why is it hard? 100% responsibility goes on yourself. Give it a try. It'll work. It's not easy to do. Marshall Goldsmith, thank you very much. Thank you. This is Steve Robbins. Email your topic suggestions to getitdone at quickanddirtytips.com. I help CEOs, executives, and high-potential leaders develop the general management skills they need to take their companies to the next level. If you want to know more, visit steverobbins.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-R. R-O-B-B-I-N-S dot com. Work less, do more, and have a great life. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.